0: For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show-me-state and entering the the show-me-the-money-state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn, people, because you're tuned to the Ozarks' number one show about your money. Randy Floyd, founder of Floyd Financial Group, will be your guide for straight talk about living the life you deserve in retirement. Prepare to be empowered. Now, here's your show-me-the-money host, Randy Floyd. Thank you so much. Good
1: morning and welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name's Jeff Shade. As always, I'm just here to ask the important questions, but the definitive answers come from Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. Randy, how you doing this morning?
2: very well Jeff how about you
1: I am doing great thank you Jake is off a well-deserved little vacation to take the I was going to say the the kids but he's just got Trevor so he's taking <laughs> Elizabeth and Trevor off a little vacation there hope they have a great yep. time but of course we are glad to be with everybody right here in Springfield the last bastion of sanity and Randy it's come down to this the last day of 2022 and I don't know about you but I'm with a lot of people who are just saying good riddance to this year it hasn't been the best one has it
2: <laughs> yeah a lot of people are more than ready to say good riddance and let's see what we can have for 2023. You know, as I was looking back over my shoulder, I was thinking about, you know, that we've had lots of recessions. We've had lots of bear markets, bull markets, you know, and I was talking with someone last week in my office about how this felt like. The early 70s to me. I remember when my family had a little country store down in Bradleyville, the metropolis that it is. Yeah. Um, And we would go, Dad would send me up to uh, Springfield to pick up, you know, gates and barbed wire and bail and twine and all that sort of thing. And the thing that we noticed was that sometimes just maybe two weeks apart, we would buy something and we would mark it up, you know, to make our profit and sell it. And when we went back to buy it the next time, we had to pay more than we sold it for. Wow. <laughs> so that's how inflation is pretty insidious to the profitability of all business of course, but especially small business where it's really hard to get ahead of that and make sure that you're still giving your customer, you know, a fair shake and things. And you know, we grew up in that little community down there, we knew everybody. It was hard for us to raise the price, you know, even Uh though, you know, we knew that the prices were going up to us, but it was just a little bit reminiscent of that. And then I remember in the 80s, uh, it was the same way, early 80s, -hmm. there was a lot of challenges out there. I was so busy at that point in the food business um, and, you know, restaurant business was growing and expanding through there. I didn't feel that one as much, but I know a lot of people have through the years. But anyway, you know, I'm hopeful for a better 2023. And I think we're going to get through this. And I I think that we are going to have a little recession and it might even be a significant one, but that's okay. We're going to right the ship and get to the other side and get ready to make hay, as my dad said.
1: What's interesting about 2022, Randy, is the fact that what I'm reading is that economists in the beginning, they were surprised by this. They didn't think that inflation was going to be nearly this bad, did they?
2: No, I don't think so. Uh, You know, and I'll, I'll have to tell you, I felt kind of the same way that I felt like this was more a supply side inflationary pressure. Of course, since that time, I've really done a lot of analysis on this. And when you look at the money supply, in other words, how much money we put into the system, you know, in 2020 and 2021, you know, we put about seven trillion dollars into the system uh which was you know roughly i think a 30 percent increase in the money supply and then we sent everybody home so you know mm-hmm. looking back what what could we think was going to happen i guess and i guess where a lot of people were in error was the fact that they thought that covid would be behind us people would go back to work and that things would go back to normal and the supply chain would just catch up and really, it did not for a very long time. And I think that's made the situation worse than it had to be. But again, I think now we're in this a little bit of a price wage spiral, which basically says, well, because my Big Mac now costs $10, yeah. we have to pay the people at, at McDonald's $16 an hour. And yeah. since now we have to pay them 16 the Big Mac needs to be $12. And <laughs> since it's $12, now we got to pay them $18. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then what also is happening is we're watching Paul go over across the road and take Peter's job. Yeah. And Peter go over across the road and take Paul's job, you know, and they both got a raise. So, I mean, because <laughs> employees are hard to come by, right? You so bet, yeah. Uh, it is a spiral, and that's what Jerome Powell, by raising interest rates, and I think he's going to have to do it a couple more times early on here and be pretty stiff upper-lipped here and stick to his guns to hopefully maybe finish off this uh, inflation and start us maybe into a mild recession. And also at the same time, I will tell you, Jeff, that there are some opportunities now to potentially buy some short-term bonds that did yeah. not exist for the last 40 years, you know.
1: There is a silver lining to this. I had to chuckle a little bit when you're talking about McDonald's and the 10 and the $12 Big Mac. <laughs> Even at 10 and $12, you know, the ice cream machine is still broken. I don't know when they're going to get that one fixed. <laughs> Anybody has been through McDonald's, it's a nice evening. I think I'll get an ice cream cone. Uh, more than 50% of the time, sorry, our ice cream machine is broken. And I was reading about a totally automated McDonald's. It doesn't have any employees. They're trying out someplace. Everything's working well, except the ice cream machine is still broken. <laughs> We're talking with Randy Floyd here of Floyd Financial Group. Jake is off this week. We're talking about the year that was 2022. Nothing really to write home about. And, you know, I think that economists underestimated how pay increases in federal aid, supply shortages and up desire by the consumers was going to affect inflation. But one thing I think that sort of blindsided us, which I didn't realize had an effect on this, is Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. That also sort of upset the apple cart, didn't it?
2: Oh, yeah, you know, it created lots of additional supply constraints and, you know, really affected the oil and gas business a lot and drove prices higher there. And then just the shortage potential drove things. And of course, that caused us to print more money and send more aid over there, which I'm not, you know, against necessarily. But at the same time, at some point, we have to not spend, right? I mean, we we have to slow down. You know, I don't know about your house, Jeff, but I guess, you know, if I run out of money at my house, Mm -hmm. I don't have a printing press. I don't have a way to go refill the coffers, so to speak.
1: Right, me neither. Once again, Randy Floyd here at Floyd Financial Group. We're talking about the year that was 2022. So, uh, Randy, that was then. This is now. What's ahead of us here? What do you think economists are saying about what we can expect for 2023?
2: Yeah. You know, there's a guy that Jake and I listen to lots of news feeds. We get lots of information in here from people that we do business with and news feeds and data feeds so that we can make investment decisions and try to map out where the economy is going and what market sectors may be next in play and how things are going to work out. And there's a lot of people out there that we kind of take with a grain of salt and, yeah, okay, yeah. Or if they make a good point that makes sense, you know, well, okay, that maybe holds water. But really, the one of the guys that we listen to a lot is Marco Kalanovich, which uh, he works for j p. Morgan Chase, which we do a little business with j p. Morgan and they have a, about a two hundred and fifty million dollar a year budget that they use to forecast and Track what's happened and what they believe is going to happen. So we subscribe to that. But, you know, he thinks that there's good and bad news. Good news is he said he thinks that central banks later in 2023 will have to pivot and slow down the raising of interest rates. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the bad news of that is is we may see, you know, inflation come back after that if, if that happens. So, you know, nobody really knows for sure. But I do think that short term we're still – in for some more downside uh, on the stock market in general. So the Nasdaq, uh, the S and P, and of course the Dow. If we look at these things, uh, you know, the Dow shows down the least at around nine percent. The Nasdaq is down still over thirty percent year to date and year over year, and the S and P five hundred is down right at knocking on the door of twenty percent.
1: Grant, if we're looking for a silver lining in this dark cloud, what would you say would be the opportunity that exists with the market the way it is coming in 2023, or are there any opportunities?
2: There's always opportunity. We have to really hunt and search for those things and look at the data and figure out maybe what's happening. I think, you know, probably now what people need to be looking at, and I know it's what we're looking at, we're looking to be invested in consumer staples, companies with good balance sheets, companies that are needed in everyday life and society. Tech is still going to, I think, suffer some more because as long as money is tight, that's going to be hard on tech. But I do think, as I mentioned earlier, there's some probably some room. Uh, you have to watch what you're doing. You have to know what you're doing. But there's some room in the bond market now on some short-term plays to make some pretty good return. And also be sure that you insulate you know, your portfolio from downside risk right now. Again, Where's the bottom of the S&P 500, which is the one we track mainly? Uh, I don't know. We're, you know, we're at about, you know, we've been bouncing back between 38 and 4,000 and 3,700 and down to 34 and change. And. I don't know. We may end up closer to 3200 before we actually see the bottom of this. But there are moves people can make now to protect and grow their money still. You know, there's many, many tools we have out there that allow us to put money to work today with a buffer, knowing that we won't lose any money to the downside unless the market goes down more than 20 to 28%. So we have some buffer strategies we can put into place out there. That will help people to put money to work because again who knows where the bottom is jeff do, right. me, do you know where the bottom is no. i don't know nope. and anybody that tells you they do um they don't so, <laughs> <laughs> so any, anyway uh you know there's some moves we can make to be safe and not lose any more money and still be ready when the market turns around to capture the upside and i think that's what people need to be doing and by the way if you're not sure your position that way or how to do that We know some folks over at 1304 West Battlefield Road at Floyd Financial Group that can help you with that.
1: So, Randy, I know that uh, there are some safe opportunities that you've talked about for people who are afraid of the market. Should you really just move all of your money out of the stock market into safe money investments, or is it a good idea to play a little bit on both sides of the fence?
2: Yeah, I think we still need to have a portfolio that's very diversified and we need to go in and we need to build plans that have more predictable outcomes. One of the things I was talking to some people in the office about last week was they said, well, you know, how do you know more than the other guy? Here's the thing. Nobody knows more than the other guy. Now there's people with lots of experience. You know, Art Cashin that you see on CNBC in the morning has been on Wall Street for 60 years. And even, even he will say, Well, you know, I don't know. It could go this way and it could go that way, you know. And he's been out there a very long time. But what we do is we really want to develop a plan that's a math problem. And the math problem, basically, then, if we do the math properly and we set up the structure right, we can know what's coming, even though we're going to have maybe some potentially bad news and bad markets. And my job as a financial advisor is to do a couple things. Number one, if you're retired, to keep you out of Losing so much money that you cannot you know, recover when the market turns around and make no mistake, it will turn back around. If you're close to retirement, we got to make sure we can grow your money right up until you get there, but not lose any money if the market doesn't recover. And then thirdly, if you're a youngster, what we got to do is help you understand that starting now and saving—I and say youngster—that's people forty and under. Yeah. If you—and <laughs> I don't mean anything negative about that—you just you, you got more time than right. some of us, right? So if you've got that time horizon, you need to be buying all the stock you can right now, investing your money in the market, and I would say broadly in the market, the S and P 500 is where I would still probably look. And then there's some people, you know, say, "Hey, you know, I'm just not comfortable with uh, losing any money." There's stable value funds inside your four. 401k plans and places you can go there where you're not going to lose any money. And again, if you want some help with understanding that and putting that together, we're more than happy to visit with you about that and help you to navigate that, even though uh, we really can't do anything for you other than just kind of point you in the right direction right now. But we're happy to start a relationship today and see how that grows over time.
1: That's right, Randy. And if you're unsure as to what to do right now, I can tell you one thing that you would want to do that will get your 2023 off on a good start is to give Floyd Financial Group a call. Get in there and sit down and talk with Randy and Jake and get yourself on a roadmap that is going to protect your money, no cost and no obligation. Call 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233. Once again, no cost, no obligation, and very importantly, too, no judgment. Nobody's going to sit down and say, you only have this much money or you haven't handled your money right. Listen, we're all human beings, and Randy and Jake know that, and they will help you no matter where you are. 417-889-7233 for your plan. You can also request it online at FloydFinancialGroup.com. Happy New Year, everyone. Thanks for joining us here on the radio this fine last day of the year. We're going to take a quick break, be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk.
0: Ready for a heapin' helping of some more real talk? Thought so. Here's another serving of Show Me The Money with your server, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy Floyd. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this
2: segment, we're going to hit the Social Security highlights, the largest raise, Jeff, since
1: 1982. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, inflation rocketed to a four-decade high this year. So Social Security benefits are going to get an unusually large 8.7% COLA cost of living adjustment raise in 2023. And as you said, that ranks as the largest raise for retired workers since 19. 1982, but also the fourth largest raise in history. So let's talk about some more details that will affect our listeners out there for (laughs) retired workers, things that they need to know. Obviously, an 8.7 increase in Social Security benefits this year, very, very large. That's really going to put more of a strain on the Social Security fund, isn't it?
2: It is. You know, we've talked about this over the years. You know, over the last couple of years, we went from $96 billion a month to $106 billion a month. And this is going to put us up to like $114 billion a month that we pay out in Social Security benefits now. And so, yeah, it's really starting to add up. And while it's good for people, I mean, I don't begrudge anybody the raise. We do have to figure out how to fund it. And of course, you know, every year, Jeff, the Social Security Administration publishes this thing that says, OK, this is where you get to stop paying into Social Security if mm-hmm. you are still working. So this year for 2023, once you get to 147000 hey, it's all green light after that. You don't have to pay any more Social Security. Now you have to pay Medicare and Medicaid still, right. but you get to drop off that five and change portion of Social Security. But one hundred forty-seven thousand—that's a pretty stout number. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I, I think so. We know that we got to pay more into Social Security, which will help bolster it a little bit. But one thing that people haven't thought about is how does this affect our taxes potentially? Right. And so, you know, a lot of people, and and this is kind of interesting. In fact, I had this happen with a guy not long ago. A lot of people think that Social Security benefits are not taxable. And, you know, that it doesn't make sense. They say, well, I paid in with tax dollars. Why do I have to pay taxes on the money I paid in with tax dollars? Yeah, I thought the same thing. (laughs) And so um, up until about 1983, you were exempt from federal tax on Social Security. But after that you know, we started paying taxes on Social Security. And so we'll talk here in a minute about what those limits are and what those may look like. But what's interesting, you know, is they don't really adjust the income thresholds. You know, if you look at your tax bracket every year, Jeff, you get a little bit more, a little bit more each year before you hit the next tax bracket. Right. Mm -hmm. So I remember back, you know, years ago when hitting that second level of tax bracket, you know, we used to be the 15 percent. Now it's the 12. You know, I remember when it was like forty thousand dollars and then it was fifty thousand dollars. And now it's almost $90,000, I think, for a married couple right. that before you get into the next bracket above the 12%, which is the 22%. But with this 8.7% raise, it may push some people over into an area where they haven't been paying Social Security tax, and now they're probably, you know, maybe going to have to with this extra money.
1: Right, and I think a lot of people misunderstand the tax brackets, Uh, Randy. I want to talk about that a little bit when you talked about, you know, going from 12% to 22% and up to 24%. They're thinking that if you make, you know, $100,000, that all of your income is taxed at 24%, but that's not exactly right. It's a graduated tax bracket, isn't it, where you just pay, sure. you know, the first 20000 is on this and the next 40000 is on this. How does that work?
2: So right now, I mean, the way it works is the first—if uh, you're married, let's talk about talk about married filing jointly. The first twenty thousand is taxed at ten percent, and then between twenty thousand one dollars and about ninety thousand, you're taxed at twelve percent for the Fed. And then above that ninety thousand, there's a ten percent bracket jump right there from twelve mm-hmm. to twenty two. Right. But you're right, it graduates. So that first twenty thousand at ten percent is a couple of thousand. Then that next roughly, what is it going to be? Seventy thousand is going to be taxed at twelve percent. And then basically, there's beyond that, there's like a hundred and thirty or forty thousand. I want to say that's taxable at twenty two percent after you jump to that next bracket. And ultimately, those jumps keep going until we get to the maximum tax bracket of 37 percent. Now, one thing I will say that 37 is not nearly the highest tax bracket we've ever had. In fact, for the most part, 39.6 is where we've been for a long time up there. But suffice it to say, you got to make quite a lot of income to max out and get to the 37. In fact, I think it's around 600,000 before you get to the 37 percent tax bracket. But let's talk about actually what the numbers look like for taxation on Social Security here right quick, if that's all right. We'll just kind of hit the high points here.
1: Yeah, and as you said, Randy, a lot of people don't think that Social Security is taxed, but indeed it is. So carry on.
2: Yeah, so you know, single taxpayers, if your income falls between twenty five and thirty four thousand, uh, you will pay on fifty percent of your Social Security that you receive. If you're below twenty five thousand taxable income, you will pay nothing on your Social Security for the federal government. If you are more than 34,000 as a single person, you will pay on 85% of your social security. So let's clarify that. All right. So if I am making $20,000 a year, what is 85% of 20,000? That's 18, right? So that mm-hmm. means 18,000 would be taxable rather than that twenty thousand on social security. So it's not that sometimes when I say that number eighty five percent taxes. No, no, no. No. It's eighty five percent of what you receive that could be subject to tax. I see. So if you're north of that thirty four as a single person, it's gonna be eighty five. For married Basically, if you're at 32000 and below, you're going to pay nothing on your Social Security. Between thirty-two <laughs> and $44,000, you will pay on up to 50%. And then at 44000 and up, you'll pay on 85% of your Social Security. So quite a bit of room there. But again, as people look at their retirement incomes, their pensions, for mm-hmm. those that have them, and this additional Social Security, it could be that you'll creep over yeah. into that 22% tax bracket. And again, remember, it's always only a portion though, Jeff. So right. if we're getting an 8% raise and and it's going to eat up 22% of it on the top side of that. We're still going to sit with six and change extra in our pocket.
1: Right. And I can't help but think of that gentleman who came in and said, my gosh, Randy, help me here. 80 I'm paying 80% tax on my Social Security. He did not realize that he's subject to tax on up to 80% of his Social Security. He's not paying 80% in taxes. So that's something to remember. Now, when it comes to paying those taxes, you've got a couple of options, don't you, Randy?
2: Right, you do. You can basically, well, you actually have three. Okay. (laughs) Okay. You can have nothing taken out of your Social Security. And when you start taking money out of your IRA or your 401k, or a pension, you can say, okay, since I didn't take anything over there, I'll take a little extra out of here. Now, I, I want to have people be careful here because again, as you retire and you start to have these taxes come out, you know, you've been used to having a paycheck where each year they would withhold it and send it out. So all of a sudden we start taking a pension. you know, We need to make sure we get some income taxes withheld out of there. We're taking Social Security. We may or may not want to have it held out of there, but we have to adjust somewhere and have some of those taxes withheld, or we're going to get to the end of the year. We won't have any taxes or not enough taxes withheld. Right. We may even have to pay a penalty in addition to just coming up with the money. Right. So that's one thing to think about. The other thing is you should, uh, and we have a guy here who can help us with this. Anytime you're getting ready to retire, you start looking at retirement income. Let's go ahead and do the tax what if and let's know what our taxes are going to be, what we're going to have to pay, and then we'll figure out exactly where to get that tax money from. The easiest way to make it easily adjustable anytime that you want to change it or maybe you want a little bit of extra income, we can adjust easily for that and get you a 1099 each year that shows what you've paid. And you take that to your tax person and all is well.
1: Randy, if you're working, you fill out a W-2, which uh, tells your employer how many deductions you have and in turn tells them how much taxes that they should withhold. Is it the same with Social Security? I mean, how do they know how much tax to withhold from your check?
2: Yeah, you can do this form W4V, but I, I got to tell you, have you looked at that thing? I have not looked that, at it. It's crazy. So I will just tell you that you have to have a PhD to, <laughs> <laughs> to really go through that really? thing and understand it because it just gets so convoluted. I will say this too, for most people that are retired, we don't have a whole family, right? right? Once in a while, we'll have a grandchild we're having to raise or something will have happened like that. And you'll have, you know, maybe some child tax credits and that sort of thing. But for the most part, it's just mom and dad and we're going to go out and we're going to file and we know we get the standard marital deduction this next year. It'll be $27,700 off the top, you know, and we can get pretty close on what our taxes are going to look like from there. Also, then we know that the most we can get charged is 85% of our Social Security is the most we'll have to file taxes on. So we can take 85% of what that is, add that together, you know, with whatever other income we have coming in, and we're going to have a pretty good idea of where we're going to land. So Again, if people want help with this, we're more than willing to sit down with them, take them through this little journey called taxation in oh, retirement, yeah, <laughs> and and help them to to nail it down.
1: Yeah, little journey, I, I had to chuckle about that one. This is a long, <laughs> bumpy road as far as I'm concerned, Randy. We're talking with Randy Floyd here at Floyd Financial Group. We're talking about some social security changes here in 2023. Randy, what are the other changes that are coming up here in 2023 with social security insofar as how much money that you can make if you haven't reached full retirement age.
2: Right, for sure. So... Basically, people come and say, hey, when should I take Social Security? Well, you can take it at 62, and then for most people out there today, 67 is going to be their full retirement age. There's still a few people out there that are probably 66 and 6, 66 and 10, 66 and maybe 4 at this point, but those people are quickly going away at 66 and 4 months. But most people at 67. So between 62 and 67, if you are going to work and have earned income, Mm-hmm. Not investment income, but earned income. You know, you're limited to around $20,000 a year, and they, and they print this number every year, and I think it may be 20560 for this year. Once you get north of that number, you have to pay back $1 for every two that you get. So we really don't want to ever breach that number. So if you're planning to work and take Social Security early, say 62, 63, 64, anytime before your full retirement age, except that year that you're turning full retirement age, you need to plan on making around $20,000 a year or less. In the year that you turn full retirement age, like for some of us, 66 and six months, others 67, when you know you're going to turn that year, you can make up to around 51,000 additional dollars after you retire. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're just working up to say August, you're going to retire in August and you've made 150,000 and you retire through August, you're not going to have to pay any benefits back because as long as you don't make money ahead or beyond where you retired, they do not hold that against you you and they're not going to tax you for that money back.
1: So those are the Social Security rules. And again, once you have reached full retirement age, as as you said, Randy, for a lot of folks, it's 67. For you and me, 66 and six months, something like that. You can make as much as you want once you've reached full retirement age. We've been talking about Social Security with Randy here of Floyd Financial Group. And if you want to get in and sit down and talk about Social Security as the bedrock of your income retirement plan, certainly you can do that by calling 417-889-7233, getting your no cost, no obligation no-judgment retirement plan, 417-889-7233. You can also request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Happy New Year, everybody. We're going to ring out 2022 and ring in 2023 in just a few hours. We'll be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk.
0: Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good. Because it's time for more Show Me the Money with your financial sherpa, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy Floyd. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in
2: this segment, we're going to be talking about financial resolutions for the new year. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that is always a popular thing to do here. As one year ends, another begins as a sit down and make your resolutions. I've done it in the past, Randy. I, I write them down, and then the next year, I look at those and see which ones I have kept. Do you really make resolutions anymore, Randy?
2: So here's what I would say I don't make a lot of resolutions what I generally have done. And this is just, I guess, from my corporate background, all those years for me, as the year end wraps up, you know, about September, October, I start thinking about what's next for next year. Right. And so I guess that's one way of trying to be resolute, if you would, and figure out what's next and where we're going. And then from there, what I try to do is reverse engineer the plan to get where I think I want to go. Right. And I guess by doing that, I guess that's one way to do a New Year's resolution. But I will say this. It never hurts for People to think about where they want to go and really put their mind and their focus there. And you can make a lot of headway in a short time if you can really get focused and really get committed.
1: Right. And I think that's the key to be committed to this and to also set a reasonable resolution and uh, set an end goal as well, too. If your resolution is to lose weight, just don't leave it open-ended like that. I'm going to lose weight because that's too general. Do something like, you know, I'm going to lose 10 pounds by March 1st, and then I'm going to lose another 10 pounds by uh, June 1st, that sort of thing. So don't leave those resolutions open-ended. But let's talk about financial resolutions that would be helpful for people to uh, make here for 2023. What do you think it should be at the top of the list? Randy for financial resolutions.
2: Well, this is certainly one thing that could be at the top of the list. I don't know if this is the top of the list, but this is certainly one that could be, especially when we're talking about finances and getting ready to get into retirement. So number one is tackle your high interest debt that you have out there. And a lot of people listening might say, well, do you really have people come in, you know, at 55 and 60 and 65 with debt? And the answer to that question is yes. Not Mm -hmm. everybody has been as fortunate as others. And sometimes too, parents have made loans to their children, Right. They've had a health issue... You know where they couldn't work for the last few years or whatever, and yeah, sometimes they're tackling some debt. The thing that's kind of crazy right now is how high some of the interest rates we're seeing are on on yeah. some of these credit cards and things. Thirty percent, yep. You know, so if you have some debt that you're paying, even let's say twenty percent on it, let's say you only had five thousand dollars, Jeff, that costs a thousand dollars a year yes, in interest. Yes, it uh-huh. And so when you think about that, if you are in the 12% tax bracket for the Fed and 5% for the state of Missouri, add another 17% on there. So that's $1,170 or nearly $100 a month you have to make to not pay it off. Yeah. To maintain the balance. (laughs) So it's one of those things that, if you've got two or three or four of those, it's something that really can be a pretty big hole for people. And so the thing to think about always is, hey, let's try to focus on one, get one done. Once Mm -hmm. I get one done, take that money, pile it on top of the other one, let's get that one done. And pretty soon you'll be out of debt because you'll have that snowball effect. It'll start to work in reverse, not the other way.
1: A lot of times what
2: happens is the snowball gets bigger and bigger. We want to go in (laughs) reverse on this one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they do call that the snowball effect. And, uh, you know, basically, as you said, the principle of it is to take the smallest debt, work on paying that off, do whatever you have to do, then go to the next biggest and the next biggest and the next biggest after that. But I really think about, as you said, the interest rates. And I think another great way to do this would be to look at the credit cards or whatever debt you have that has the highest interest rate and work on that one first. Sure. Some people have credit cards that have 0% interest and then other credit cards that may have 29%, maybe they got a personal loan or something like that. So my suggestion, would be to take the highest interest rate first and to try to knock that one down, then go to the next highest interest rate. But nevertheless, that's an example of what I would call bad debt. That's going to be consumer debt, things like credit cards and personal loans and so forth. Now, car loans these days, I mean, you don't really have 29 and 30% car loans. Can you get a car loan these days with 0% interest? you know?
2: You know, there are not many if you can. Now, right. I got a feeling that we're going to get there. Right. Probably even this year, I think we're going to find out that car lots are going to get, well, we're already seeing it here. There's a lot more cars on the lots than there were, especially new cars. Right. And I think what's going to happen is the pendulum is going to swing the other way. We're going to get the supply chain filled up again, and we're going to have too many cars. And let's face it, Jeff, they can't just sit there and look at those cars nope. because next year, if they're going to stay in business, they have to do a new model year and they got to get rid of the old inventory. So they... They will figure that out and they will probably do that with
1: some pretty big incentives
2: and interest rates down low if they have to, because again, they've got to clear
1: those lots. Right. And uh, we were talking about debt there. There's good debt, there's bad debt. And of course, the credit cards are bad debt. Most cases, car loans, bad debt. But good debt might be something like a mortgage. And I've repeated this so many times, Randy, you told me that your house appreciates whether or not you own it or not.
2: Correct. So, You know, while it feels great to own your home outright, you know, if you've got a really low mortgage rate 2%, two and a half, three percent 3%. It rarely makes sense to take money, especially out of a 401k or something, and pay 15 or 20% in taxes to reduce that debt load, right? It just doesn't make sense to do. Number one, whatever you took out, you paid the tax burden on. Number two, and sometimes I see people hit 30 and 35% in, in taxes when they take money out to pay off a house. That's not a good scenario, you know? The other side of that is that money is no longer in that account to earn for you. Not only did you pay the tax, but now it's no longer there to earn. So you really need to consider that when you're paying off your primary residence. I'm not saying that, you know, you should go out and try to max what you can get out of your house, which a lot of people have done over the years, uh, you know, refinancing and paying off debt and refinancing and paying off debt. I think those days are about gone right now for a little while. But certainly if you got a really low interest rate, I would think twice about paying off my house, especially if I have to tap taxable money to do it
1: talk about financial resolutions that will make you wealthier in 2023 with randy floyd floyd financial group next one randy is set small specific savings goals can you elaborate on that
2: yeah absolutely so many times people come in and we were sitting down and they we're taking stock of you know their savings in their regular checking account and their 401ks their iras whatever all that stuff that they have and so one of the things that always comes up is you know i always ask people do you have an emergency fund mm-hmm. and they say well what do you mean by an emergency fund well three to six months of living expenses where you can lay your hands on it and know that you know that you know you've got it there and you can get it. And so many times people don't have that and they say, well, do I really need six months? I don't know if you need six months. I like for people to have six months. Three months is maybe adequate or somewhere in between there. Mm -hmm. And the way to get there, people say, well, I can't possibly do that next year or next month. Here's the thing. You need to start slow. You got to pay yourself first and put that money someplace Where you know you're not going to look at it, you're not going to see it, and pretty soon you won't miss it, and you'll be surprised how that will start to build up. And I'll tell you what will be interesting is how your attitude will change about the money in that account and how it will relieve the stress day-to-day in a person's life.
1: Right. You'll know that you are paying yourself and you're really getting something out of your hard-earned work other than just working for a credit card company or working for somebody else whose bill that you were paying. Another piece of advice as far as this goes is to set small goals. Don't say, you know, I'm going to save $10,000 for a new car this year. You know, what you really should do, as you said, is to start small. Maybe it's only 50 bucks out of each paycheck. But if you do that automatically, if it is automated, you won't miss it. And I think that's a very good way to go about it. So number two, set small, specific, savings. Goals. Next on the list is to increase your credit score. Randy.
2: Yeah. So a lot of people say, "Well, how in the world would that help me in you know in retirement and that sort of thing?" When I'm retired, I'm not going to be borrowing money, am I? Well let's talk about, you know, getting there. Number one, to get retired, if we have a, a better credit score, we're going to pay less interest for anything we do borrow against. Right. So that's going to help us along the way. Also, when interest rates go back down, which I believe that they will go back down and there will be a chance to refinance a house at less than six or seven percent like some people have on their mortgages right now. And so they'll want to do that. And by having a better credit score, you will get a better rate than if you don't. Generally speaking, if your credit score is, you know, 704, or better you're going to get most of the really great rates but it doesn't hurt to get that credit score up into the 800s and that way you're really really for sure to get the very best offers out there for any loans that you're going to need to take and you know there's stuff that comes along all the time and you know again i'm not so sure if if we get back to where we have zero interest car loans I'm not so sure that it ever makes sense to pay for a car because as you alluded to earlier, Jeff, right. that is a depreciating asset, and right. and if we just have to pay interest on top of it, eh, maybe not. But again, at the same time, if we can get a low interest rate or a zero interest rate, say two and a half, three percent or less, it probably, especially with the price of cars today, the average car is about fifty thousand dollars. I, I think know. now, yeah, that money, if you can earn five percent, six percent per year on it, let's do that. Let's have our cash let's let it earn for us and let's use somebody
1: else's money if we can. So keep track your FICO score. Very, very important there because you never know when something might happen. As you said, I mean, a lot of people are three months saved, but consider this, how much does it cost to put a new roof on your house or all new windows in your house? That can be quite expensive and can greatly exceed three months worth of your savings. We're talking about financial resolutions to make here in 2023. Final one we're going to talk about today, Randy, is talk to a financial pro. I think that should be number Number 1.
2: Well, I don't want to toot my own horn here, Jeff, you know, (laughs) but I would say that we have a little different take on things. If you haven't been used to sitting down with an advisor, we're going to look at things from a little different angle than most people. And so what we're always looking at is how do we take money? How do we take an asset and how do we leverage that? How do we create money for our client while they're not working or if they're working doing something else? How do we help build their net worth? And so as we look at these things, we always have a a little different take on it than most people because most people just you know, all they know to do is go to work get a paycheck save a little money buy something go to work get a paycheck what we're looking to do is to help those people get to where they can achieve financial independence where they can get to the point to where one day guess what? I don't have to go to work anymore. And so there's a whole lot of tools and a whole lot of things in the middle that have to happen to get there. And you know what we want to do is find out what makes people tick, what they're excited about doing, how they view their retirement, what they think they want to do in retirement, and see what they got to work with there. And then what we do is we build a plan. We, we reverse engineer a plan to show them how to get to where they want to go.
1: Yeah, I said, wow, because the idea of not working anymore, I and mean, that's, that's foreign to me. I guess I could stop working at some point in time but I don't know Randy like uh, you I've worked for 40 plus years and I don't know what I would do if I didn't work doing something that I like so full retirement just not in my future. We're talking about financial resolutions that you can make in 2023 to make you a little more wealthier and uh, you know make you sleep better at night as well too. And once again if you've got questions about anything that we've talked about you want to get in and sit down with Randy and Jake at Floyd Financial Group and discuss your financial plan for 2023 no cost no obligation whatsoever to get your yourself on the path for a better retirement in 2023. Call 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233. You can also request your no cost, no obligation, no judgment plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, Randy. We'll come back and wrap it all up for 2022 when our show continues here on 104.1 FM, KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk.
0: People of the Ozarks, step away from the fishing pole and prepare to be shown the money, because we're back with more Straight Talk with Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy
2: Floyd. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And, Jeff, in this segment, we're going to talk about, hey,
1: what does it look like to come in and sit down with Randy and Jake? Yeah, Randy, I mean, this is a question we get once in a while, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to the program, they hear me at the end of every segment say, for your no cost, no obligation, no judgment financial plan, call 417-889-7233, but they really don't know what's going to happen when we get in there. And, you know, I think about that woman who came into you and you sort of chit-chatted, you visited with her a little bit, and then she said, well, I guess it's time to uh, talk about the scary money stuff, huh? And it can be (laughs) scary for a lot of people because they think, you know, well, maybe you haven't saved as much as I should have I haven't been a great steward of my money but I want to start off with a no judgment part of that you really don't judge people when they come in there do you
2: no we really don't I mean the biggest thing and this may sound trite I I, I don't know I mean it What we really wanna do is we wanna get to know people and really we wanna make a friend. That's really what we wanna do. And hey, if we're for you and we can help you, great. And if not, that's okay too. But we're gonna go through a little bit of a process with the client's permission to learn about them, find out what's important to them, And then learn about them, you know, financially and their family dynamics and, you know, what they've done for a living and what they want to do in retirement. And we go through a five-step process to do that. You know, you've been in those situations, Jeff, where, you know, you felt like you were just under pressure and all of a sudden you're hot under the collar, you're starting to sweat. It's not like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're okay i mean we are it's very laid back we're gonna offer you some coffee or some water or hot chocolate or tea or you know i often say pop and people go you mean soda hey, <laughs> and I'm sure like, you know <laughs> it depends on where you're from right as yeah, yeah, you know, right, right, to what, right. what it is and yeah you know and then we're just gonna sit down and we're going to talk and one of the things that's really interesting and and when jake is sitting in these meetings with me and he does most of the time. In fact, he does most all of the behind the scenes planning. Now he's graduated to the point in his career. He's been here 16 years to where you know, almost 17 now to where, you know, it's second nature to him. And so he, he does most all the planning work. But as I'm sitting there talking to people, you know, there's this thing, what's it called? The six degrees of separation yeah, or something like that, right? Where, you know, we're with, we're within six people of knowing everybody is, is the concept. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I've been in this place long enough and been in business. Business and out in the public long enough, I'm generally, I'll bet you we are one to two degrees yeah. of separation because it's so hilarious. I'll sit there and I'll talk to these people for a minute and they'll say something about so-and-so and I'll go, oh yeah, I know him. You know? <laughs> and, and they go, well, we know them too. And yeah. just, So anyway, it's funny how that is. And so really it's just kind of like, hey, it's just friends we haven't met yet is really what it gets down to. So the first thing that I would tell you when you come in here, you know, we've got a nice reception area up there where you can sit if you're a little bit early, you can relax and gather your thoughts and Ashley will take care of you with something to drink or something to eat if you want. Yep. Uh, we'll even order you a sandwich if you'd like or whatever. whatever. <laughs> we don't care. So, And then when we come in, we're just going to sit down and talk, and we call the first step uh, a discovery. Right. And discovery is basically just learning about people and learning what's happened to them and what they like, what they don't like you know, and and what their plans are. And during Discovery, also, we tell people a lot about us. And we think that that's important that they know that, number one, we're a registered investment advisory firm, so we have a legal obligation to do what's right by them. Mm -hmm. Number two, we think it's important that they kind of know what we're made of and, you know, that what a little bit about our family and about how we conduct business, how long we've been conducting business here. And so that's what the Discovery step is about, is each of us getting to know one or another. We tell people about our fees and how we make money and all those things. And I always tell people there are no questions off the table. You can ask me anything you want. You may not like the answer, but you can ask me (laughs) anything you want. You know, uh, we really don't care. So step one is discovery.
1: And then step two, I understand, is once you have found out about everybody, I mean, you've discovered them, they've discovered you, and you've taken your discovery, put it on the table. The next one would be to analyze what you're looking at, right?
2: Right. So basically, we look at, you know, all the stuff that they've done, working, you know, maybe they got a pension plan, maybe they have a pension plan and a four oh one K, or maybe it's just social security and a four hundred one K, or maybe they have that combination of all four where people are gonna say, Well I'm gonna work part time, I've got a pension, I got a four hundred one K and I got social security. So we start to look at that and put it all together and say, Okay, here's where we are. What are your budgetary requirements now? And a lot of people say my budget I haven't had a budget in 30 years, (laughs) you know, and stuff like that. I said, well, it's not that I'm trying to put you on a budget. It's just that, you know, as we grow our family and they move out and all that, we end up generally making more money later in our career than we've made before. And we don't have as many bills. And so all of a sudden we've just had a lot of money stacking up in the checking account and all that. And we just, we don't know what we spend anymore. And so it's a good gut check just to sit down and say, okay, here's what we spent last month. And people say, I only need about 70% of what I needed when I was working. Right. And I'm like, No, probably not. Probably closer (laughs) to ninety-five. Yeah, you know, because most people are not looking to go backwards. You know, right? right. They're they're looking to stay the same or move forward just a little bit. And we got to fill all the time we used to spend working, right? So the analysis about is about just looking at all their stuff, seeing how they're invested, see if they're getting rewarded for the risk they're taking, and show them maybe a way to build a better mousetrap for that. And then from there, after we get through the analysis, uh, we generally at the end of that meeting, we're going to schedule another meeting. Jake and I are going to do some planning behind the scenes. That's Mm -hmm. step three of the uh, five-step plan. And we do the planning behind the scenes. We have people come back and then we sit down and we talk about where they were, how they were invested, what we might suggest, show them what their cash flow is going to look like, where it's going to come from. And, you know, that's, Step three, like I said, the planning part of that. And it's not like we just set the plan and say, okay, this is it. This is you. This is it. This is how it's going to work. No, it doesn't work that way. Right. It is a plan, but it's also massaging and tweaking of the plan into where it really fits for that couple or that individual.
1: And when you were talking about the planning aspect here, I mean, primarily, I guess it's an income plan. And as you said, a lot of people will say, well, I'm going to spend 70% of that. I asked my brother in law, uh, you know, over the weekend, I said, you know, how much money do you think you're, you're spending? He said, well, well, I'm retired. I don't spend as much as I used to. I said, "Well, when you were working, when did you spend the most money?" He said, "On Saturday." I said, "Well, when you're retired, every day Saturday is Saturday. Isn't Saturday? It? <laughs> so <laughs> you're going to spend as yeah. much, if not more, than you did when you were working. So that planning aspect of that is very important. We're talking about what to expect when you come in and sit down with Randy Jacob Floyd Financial Group in that initial consultation. We've covered discovery. We've covered analysis. We've covered the planning aspect of that, which is done behind the scenes. And then once you've done a little bit of planning planning. You analyze all this, don't you? And as you said, do little tweaks, little changes here and there, massage. Right.
2: And uh, yeah. And so we make sure that everything works and fits. And generally what ends up happening, you know, we don't uh, beat on people to try to get them to do business with us and things. We want willing participants. We want people that, you know, have we've been down the road with them here. We've shown them how the plan would work and all that. And we they say, well, generally it works this way. They say, well, so what would we do to get started? So that's where the fourth step comes in, and that is called implementation. So, right. implementation is one of those things most people say, Well, how, how does this work? What do we do? And I don't want to pay any taxes, and you know, that sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. On money that I've saved. So, we make it very simple, we can do all the paperwork help with making phone calls to, you know, move the 401k plans to an IRA. And we do all this with no tax hiccups of any kind. And then we also, once we get that money moved over there, we figure out the taxes and then we go ahead and set up the income stream as to when they want it to start and how much they want it to be each and every month. And the implementation process really can be quite daunting without somebody that does it on a regular basis. You know, we help people file for social security. We can do it online in about 10 to 15 minutes. We help them move their 401ks. We set up their IRAs, set up their monthly pension plan. We help them, uh, you know, with Medicare, you know, getting uh, lined out with someone that can help them get their Medicare set up. And then, of course, we have Rod here to, you know, help them get really comfortable with their tax situation. And then we have the estate planning arm here at the office of Leisha Siri, who is an attorney at law who does estate planning. So that's all part of the implementation program. Now, listen, people do not have to do their estate planning here with us. They don't have to do their tax planning here with us. It's just something that we have as an offer that can be all under one roof, which really makes it pretty nice in most cases.
1: And if you've been dealing with Cousin Eddie down at the Farmers and Merchants Bank and, you know, you're kind of tired of that, you want to switch advisors, uh, Randy, I understand that you will help them break up with their current financial advisor just to make it pain-free.
2: Yeah, I mean, really the way the system works today, we use what's called the ACAT system. And basically that's like an automatic clearinghouse account transfer is what mm-hmm. it amounts to. And so generally speaking, you don't have to make that phone call to break up. If you would like for us to help, you know, we have a letter engineer where we can help people say, hey, thank you for all your past service. We appreciate you and you've helped us over the years. And now it's time for us to enter retirement. And we've decided to, you know, do X is kind of what we do there.
1: And then finally, Randy is going to be the follow up.
2: Yeah, so we call this the monitoring part of it, which basically uh, what I generally do is when I have a meeting with people, I'm going to book my next meeting as they go out the door or have Ashley schedule it for us. And that way we always stay on the books either three or six months out to have our next review. And, you know, it just works out really well because I want people to stay connected to their money. I don't want them to have any surprises. I want to keep a dialogue open with them. Of course, a lot of people listen to this radio show each week, so they kind of know what we're thinking about inflation and about markets and all the things that are going on. We still have tons of people that do that, Jeff. I mean, we hear compliments on your job all the time as how well you do on this show. And we really do appreciate all that you do for us uh, as well. But the mentoring process, uh, monitoring process, I should say, keeping up with what's going on, keeping people current is really, really important. And that's for them to feel safe and secure. And that's what we want. We want people to feel safe, secure, know they're not going to run out of money and go live a
1: good fulfilled retirement. And that is a great goal. Once again, it is a five-step process at Floyd Financial Group. Discovery, analysis, planning, implementation, and then finally follow-up. Once again, you've listened to this program all year long. You've enjoyed what Randy and Jake have had to say, and it is time for you to put yourself on the right path for wealth management and retirement. To do that, call 417-889-7233. Schedule your appointment with Ashley. She's waiting there right now to take your call and to find a spot on the calendar for you. 417-889-7233. You can also request your plan online by going out to Dot com. It is FloydFinancialGroup.com. Well, Randy, here we are, at the end of the year. I want to thank you so much for the great information that you've given us all through the year 2022. Really looking forward to all great things to come in 2023. For Randy Floyd, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out, have a great weekend in this great country that we live in. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM ASGF, where Springfield comes to talk. I'll see you here.